This morning, I want to talk about why should we grow and grow in God. And so after uh, last week, just kind of traveling around and seeing a lot of family, and you guys are going to start going on um, holiday, you know, vacations in the next few weeks, you're going to see family, and there's going to be a lot of, you know, times to sit down with your families and talk to them. And I noticed one thing this last week was that the Lord had kind of spoke to me about is that when you go up and you see family and it seems like that after 10, 15 years that nobody has ever grown in the Lord, it, it can be tough being around them. And the Lord said to me that it's people got saved, but they never grew. And that actually can, can cause a, a bad effect. I mean, look at Saul in the Bible. He became king over Israel, but he never grew. Rick Renner says the day you stop growing and learning is the day that another man will take your place. And so you, all, you have to remain at a place where you're always willing to grow with God and you're willing to go further. And that I love our, our services where we, um, you know, we need services. And like last week with mom, I watched some of it. I mean, that was amazing. Times of refreshing and times of prayer and moves of the Holy Spirit. But then it's like God will take you in waves where it's like, okay, we've done that. Now let's go back and let's grow. And then we're going to have another move of God and then we're going to get in the word and we're going to grow. But you must grow. It's a divine command for God because why? That's, he says in Ephesians 4 that you can do the work of ministry. And so we're going to go to that, open your Bibles to Ephesians 4. And then it's not just something that where people, you get saved and you, you know, it's fire insurance, but you want to grow. You ever heard of a, what is a cause and effect uh, I didn't really think a lot about it, and last night I'm laying in bed pretty early because I've been deer hunting every morning, and the Lord said, do you know what a cause and effect is? And I said, well, it's something probably like where you do one thing and there's a chain reaction or something. He said, yes, but he says the whole universe moves off cause and effect. Well, I actually looked it up, and it actually says that in Wikipedia after I looked it up. And it's like playing billiards where you have a cue ball, and you, you line up a shot, and you the cause is you hit it, but the effect is already in motion now. And what is in motion stays in motion until you have an equal or opposite force stop that thing. Well, the ball will hit another ball, hit another ball, hit another ball. And sometimes, you know, you see when you break the, I forget what it's called, when you, when you break in billiards, it, all the balls go everywhere. Well, that's the effect. And so your life is like that with God. You can choose to grow in God and you'll have a huge effect, like the game of billiards. Or you can choose not to grow in God, and there's not going to be an effect. But what actually happens is that chain reaction begins not only affecting that uh, person you may be affected, but then that person affects somebody. And it's paramount that you grow, that God wants you to grow. And um, I'll say this, I think Robert and, and Zach, and Zach's been talking about how he's taken time out of his own day in the morning and, you know, you, you come to church on Sunday because you give God your first fruits, right? That's kind of what the first fruits are. The first time of your day, the first of your week, the first of your tithe. There is so much power in the first of giving that to God. And as you begin to do that and grow, that God will start using you, at, that, that he can actually, the Bible says he can use you as a vessel of honor. And we'll get into that. But it causes, Zach was saying how he's been sitting down with people from his restaurants, sitting down with uh, people in his company, and he's affecting them. Robert's been going and ministering to the vets, and he's affecting them now. It's affecting, but Robert has to grow, or God, th there will be a limited work that he can do. Why? Because God's not going to put a novice in a place of ministry. And then not just saying the fivefold ministry, because in Ephesians, he actually says for the, the fivefold ministry is to cause you to do the work of ministry. I actually say, um, even my friend Sean, we've been ministering a lot to his family, but he's been doing a lot of that. And he is affecting his family. And so there's a cause and there's an effect. And the more, and I know that he reads the word, and him and I will go to the gym and we'll talk about the word and read the word, discuss the word, and then all of a sudden he's been getting his family members saved. So that's an effect, and that's having an eternal effect. But if you never choose to grow, you're not, there's going to be a lot of effects that have never happened. You know what I mean? And the graveyard is full of talent and people that have never affected society. They stayed in the comfortable of where they were. And so God wants us to grow. So we're going to read Ephesians, uh, let's see, Ephesians 4. And I'm going to start, uh, let's see, 9. 
Now this he ascended, what does that mean? That he also first ascended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also one who ascended above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints. So God's purpose in you is to equip you with something. If you go to war and you're getting equipment on, that's to use that equipment to do something with it, right? And so if you're never in churches, you're never around the five-fold ministry, you're, there's no equipment given to you, and you're not doing anything. You're going into battle bare bones, right? Because there is a battle and there's a devil. And so for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of, of Christ, so that they, actually the body of Christ, so not only to the outside world, but actually you're equipped because you're to help the rest of the body, the hands and the feet, the eye can't say to the hands, I have no need of you. Uh, so your gift is going to be different than somebody else's gift. What God has given you is going to be way different. But that's okay. We need you. We need every person and to develop the gifts that God has given you. Why? Because it edifies the rest of us. There's things Lenny does that I, I don't do. He makes cool T-shirts. And he gives them to me, and I walk around and wear them and minister the gospel. But he does all the, the, the T-shirt work for me. I just go out and preach the gospel. So it's amazing when you have people that... Even Amber, I watched her video this morning about her new podcast that she's starting. I mean, praise God. But what is that doing? That's going to edify the body of Christ. That's going to be the work of ministry. That's going to, it's going to have a huge effect on society. Why? Because she's being obedient to God. And the rest of you, there's every person in you. I mean, there's no person that if you're here in this room right now, there's a reason you're here today. God wants to use you for something. And so till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, which actually means a mature man if you, in, the real, in the Greek, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's saying, I actually want you to grow up, that you would actually have the fullness of Christ, the same measure that Jesus had. It's not so far off to what Jesus was doing in his personality and his character that is so hard. It's saying that I actually want you to have the same measure that Jesus had. And so I was telling uh, Megan this the other day in the car after I left the family, you can go places where people are Christian, but there's not the character of God there. There's no presence of God there. There's not, there's not uh, who God is. They're, they're saved, but there's no peace of God. There's no love of God. And so I kind of asked that from myself after I left. I'm like, man, is, there, is this in, even in my own house? Because you can be saved, but it's really not enough because what ends up happening, and I'm talking to a person and we're sitting out in front of a big boat, big boat, almost a million dollars. And he's got another boat. We're having a good time. But he was saying, I don't understand why people from church don't want to hang out. They don't want to, everybody, you know, and, and they blame it on, well, people are too busy or people are just, it's their own problem. They don't want to hang out with me. I got all the stuff that I want to do stuff with people and they don't want to hang out. And um, I said, oh, I thought maybe some of that is true. And just kind of, but sometimes I look at the opposite side of the coin. What if it's his character? What if it's something about him that they don't want to hang out with? Because I know him. And sometimes he can be hard to be around. And if, because if he never grew, it makes it, it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars, which I, I thought that stuff is great. I mean, I'm looking at it going, I could use this houseboat and this wakeboarding boat. Man, we'll do some ministry. I'll call everybody from the church. We'll go cook out, do a little Bible study, go wakeboarding. But he's like, I can't get anybody to come hang out with me. Everybody's too busy in America. Maybe true. Maybe, what if it's you, though? You know what I mean? What if it's that people don't ever look inside in their own character and say, is there somewhere I need to grow to affect more people? And they don't, want, they don't even want to be around you. It don't matter how much money you got. Now, money's great. Money's a tool. Money's a thing to get the work of God done. But if you never develop people, and this person spends more time, I mean, they know everything about the stock market, about business, and I think it's good. I think it's great. But you can't, not, you can't be so money-minded or, or work-focused that you never work on your character because then you're going to be hard to be around. I love my grandmother very much, but when you go over her house, very perfectionist-minded about how everything's supposed to be, and sometimes it's hard to be over there because you walk in, and it's, you know, and I'm not, yeah, sure, take your shoes off of the door. Hey, that's great. I'm cool with that. But then everywhere else you go in the house, there's so many demands. If you're going to do this, you need to use a fork. You need to sit this place at the table. This stuff needs to be like this. Her bikes are four inches from the wall every time. And you better not move those bicycles. Because why? She created a perfect world. And if I can make a perfect world, then nothing else can go wrong. And I can be happy because it's perfect. And people come in and they mess up. And then, you know, 
to get on all over them. Well, guess what? People don't want to be around you if you're going to be like that. She never grew up into the measure of Christ that she should have grown up where people could actually want to come around and hang out. It's like, well, we'll see you once a year and bye. Love you. Woo, Jesus. I'm glad we're out of there. I can actually dip my chip without using a fork. Glory to God. And if you do that, I'm not anything wrong, but you know what I'm saying is that when you walk in somewhere and someone's always on your case about something, about being in their house, it's just, it's hard. I like going to somewhere where I can relax. And I'm not saying be a pig and, and destroy their house, but just the, the air is like, whoo, glory. I can enjoy myself without having, walking on eggshells. And, and some of your family, they're going to be like that. But that's, you know, in this holiday season and you love on them and you witness to them, but it's like you see them one time and then you're like, Bye. Glory to God, Jesus, help them. Why? They've never grown in their character with God. There's no character of God in that. There's no love of God in that. It's very selfish. My, this has to be perfect if we're going to have a good family time. And don't sit on this couch because the pillows are there and they're just right. You can sit on this couch. Don't use this. Don't wash your hands in this sink. Use the other sink on the other side. It's like, good Lord. You know what I mean? And so I'm not And if you're like that, I mean, the Lord was working on you right now. <laughs> but I'm saying is people, they're like, we want to spend time with people, but we don't understand why. Well, it might be you in a way. And so the Lord started talking to me. He says, character. People don't grow in their character. Thinking about putting other people first. You don't have to have all your demands. Yeah, after they leave, you can do, do the house any way you want, put the pillows, and you don't want to have to sit there if you don't want to. But when Jesus comes in you, and so I was telling earlier how I walked into another uh, families, and it was like I wasn't even there. Just all, hey, good to see you, whatever. I don't think they even said hi to me. I just walked in and sat down, just started eating. And then a couple of them, like, I would have to engage and talk with them. But the Bible says if you want friends, be friendly with people. And so, but the whole world just revolved around them. Why? They never grew in God. And I told Dad, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know this was like this up here. I'm ready to go home. I miss our people. I love seeing Zach when he's like, hey, brother, glory to God. Good to see you. Love you. You know, how you doing? It's, but I, you don't get that everywhere you go. Why? Because pastor preaches in this church to grow in God and to have the character of God. It's not just to have Jesus somewhere in your spirit buried so deep that nobody can see him. And, and you know, as a baby, you're going to be a baby, but you, eventually you grow out of that. And so he says that we should no longer be a child tossed around to and fro about every wind of doctrine, trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, you may what? Grow up into all things, into the who is the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body, joint and knit together by what every joint supplies. That means you have a supply to give that, that it's not just pastor up here, but you actually have something that you're giving. So there's different parts of the body. But he says, I want you to grow up. The whole body, is, um, which every part does its share, does what? Causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so he said, then he goes on down there and saying, don't walk the, rest, the way the rest of the Gentiles walk. So he's saying, what I want you to do so the body can be edified is you're gonna have to grow up. And so if you don't ever grow in God, the body's not getting edified. You actually can be end up, you know, you can end up being uh, sometimes a, a heartache to the body of Christ because people are just like, oh my gosh, I can't stand being around that person. Well, it's like a baby. I love my cousin's baby. I walked in, love on him, love on him for an hour or two, and then it starts crying and whining. I'm like, here's your baby, I'm going to bed. <laughs> so that's what babies do. But he says, eventually I want you to grow up because if you're 30 years of being a saved and you're still a baby and whining and crying, people are going to be like, okay, it was nice being around you for one hour, 30 minutes. I'm going to give you back to your daddy God. <laughs> well, that's funny. I'm going to give you back to your father God, and I'm out of here. God, take care of him. That's your child. Still kicking and screaming. And it's hard to be around people like that until they've grown up and mature. And so God wants you to grow. And says Ephesians, I think in, uh, let's see, 4, I think I did 9 through 16. But he says in Ephesians 4, he says that I actually want you to grow up in verse 12 for the equipping of the saints for what? The work of ministry. So what is that? Uh, a ministry, because he's talking to the saints, so he's not talking to the fivefold because he mentioned the fivefold already, those gifts. So he says, we're here as pastors to do what? Equip you to do what? The work of ministry. Your job is a ministry is an officer duties, functions of a minister. So he's actually calling you guys ministers. It is a, um, it's a personal service. It could be a religious office, a position in a church. 
but it's borrowed from a French and Latin middle French uh, ministry or service or duty, which means active of a servant, duty, a task, or a support. So you're, an, or an occupation. So God has something for you to do, whether you're a servant, you have a task, you're supporting something. Uh, like in Israel, they have something called the Ministry of Defense. That job in Israel is to defend the country. That is their job. But God's saying the same thing with you. I have something more for you to do. You got saved, great, but I need you to grow up because I need you to do something. And so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 3.1. This is good, amen. And um, 1 Corinthians 3.1. Hey, isn't it nice giving pastor a break? I know a lot of people miss pastor. But pastor needs a break. You can't just work that horse all year round and expect him one day to live past he's, you know, 70. He might not make it to 70 if you just keep pushing him. So give pastor a break. Let somebody else, hopefully, you know, you'll get something. You will get something out of this morning. But pastor's taking three weeks off, and he needs the break. And uh, I'm sure he's watching right now. Love you, Pastor. Church is doing good. It's still here. Hadn't fallen apart. Amen. It's growing. <laughs> but um, it's nice that he's trained other people up so that he can take, because you want him spiritually refreshed, recharged. You want him spending time in the Word, ready to bring the Word of the Lord back. You can't push him 24-7, seven days a week for all these years and expect, because what happens if you lose him? The anointing's on the man. It says, set a man over the congregation. The anointing is not on the building. This building would just, I've seen buildings just turn to nothing after the pastor dies. So thank God that pastor has getting time to relax and refresh, and uh, we're going to give that to him. But let's continue on. That's a little side journey. <laughs> Brethren, I could not speak to you as a spiritual people, but as carnal, as a baby in Christ. What he was saying here is that I can't even share spiritual things with you yet. That means you can't even understand it. You don't even have the capacity to understand it as long as you're in the flesh and you're an infant in Christ. That means that that's okay as a baby, but eventually you need to grow up. And he says, I fed you with the milk and not solid food, for until now you were not even able to receive it. So unless you mature in God, there's things you'll never understand and never, never receive from God because he's waiting for you to hit a, a mature adult phase. And he says, you're, for even now, he says, you're not able, you're still carnal, for where there's envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal, behaving like mere men, for whom say, I'm of Paul and another, I'm Apollos? And so they're arguing, they're bickering, they're fighting. I'm of this person and I'm of that person, and I believe this and I believe that. It's the word of God. Yes, there's people that we follow that we may like, but if you're still arguing over all the smallest things, he's saying, you're still acting like a baby Christian. And he's saying, you're not even able to receive, I, I got bigger stuff for you to do, and you can't receive it yet. So there's a guy, um, we're up there with, uh, you know, with the family, and there's a guy named Buck. So Buck comes in, and he says, you know, and da- talking to Dad, and he's, he's it, it almost seemed like his entire thing was just to start a fight. And Dad's not giving it to him because he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, Dad says, how you doing, young man? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you. And Dad said, oh, well, how old are you? He goes, I'm 65. And Dad said, I got you beat by a few years, brother. And he goes, well, and then he started making fun of dad's truck and then this and that. And I don't know if he heard about my father, but my dad's just kind of having a good time. And uh, so he goes, so, you know, well, so what do you do for work? And he said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, you're a pastor. He's like, what kind of kind of church is it? And dad said, it's a good one. <laughs> I mean, but like, what kind of church do you guys have? He said, it's a real good loving church. You know, dad's not trying to fight with this guy, but this guy's just trying to start a fight. And so he said, what kind of pulpit? Do you guys have like a big old wooden background pulpit? Or do you guys have like that new modern pulpit? Dad said, mm, it's a good pulpit. Holds my Bible up. <laughs> you know, just kind of having a good time with him. And um, so he goes, well, do you guys have like that new stuff and that LED wall and all that? Or do you guys have kind of like the old? And, and, uh, he and dad said, yeah, yeah, we got, some, we got some nice stuff. It's a good, nice church, beautiful church. And so uh, he's just trying to push and push because he's trying to start a fight. We already know that it's where this is going. And so dad tells him his testimony, and all of a sudden dad said, well, I heard the voice of the Lord when I got born again, and I got saved in an Ernest Ainsley meeting, and it was a beautiful testimony that dad told him, and how the f- power of God hit him, and dad said that, it, that he went home that night and was trying to smoke, smoke a joint, and he said, then the voice said, put all that down, you don't need that anymore. And dad said, well, who's, who's there? And he said, me, Jesus, you asked me to come in. 
So this guy said, so you heard the voice of God. And dad said, well, who else would tell me to quit drinking booze and throw my weed away? The devil? (laughs) You can't hear the voice of God. And dad said, somebody told me to quit smoking and throw the playboys and the weed in the trash. And he goes, I don't know who, who said that, but it sounds like something out of the Bible to me. And so this guy was just like, well, you can't hear the voice of God. It's John MacArthur can't hear the voice of God. Dad said, well, I don't know about John, but I, can't, I heard the voice of God. <laughs> so they start fighting, or he's arguing, and, and uh, he said, aren't you a son of God, led by the Spirit of God, right? New, t- new covenant? He said, you can't. No, nobody can have that. And dad said, well, I don't know what John says, but I know what the word in Jesus said. And so um, I said, well, didn't Elijah said that it was in the still small voice? And he said, well, that was Elijah. And dad said, well, that's old covenant. Aren't you better than that with the new covenant? Even he said that uh, even the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. You have a greater anointing than John the Baptist. And so he said, he said, no, you, you can't have that. And he said, that, dad said, well, the word says that you can and he's like, well, this is the biggest bunch of horse crap I've ever heard. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I laughed, and I said, that's the best horse crap I've ever had. <laughs> so <laughs> we laughed, and, you know, and he, he kind of stormed off and walked off. But that, that, that's just kind of what, you, you, you know, you may end up dealing with. But you got you to gotta have the word in you. You got to be able to grow. You got to be able to talk to people. And if you never grow, you're going to always hear, I think it's good to sit down and talk with people and have a discussion. If you always believe one side and you never, and you've got so much pride where you can't ever talk to somebody, maybe that something you believe could be changed. Well, if it's changed, then let it change. But if not, you're just more secure about what you believe. So either you're more, you're more, secure, or more secure about the Bible of what you know, or A, you're going to you know, turn around and walk and say, well, maybe I can change. But like Rick Renner says, the day you stop growing is the day somebody else will take your spot. And there's nothing wrong with having conversations. Now, I'm not advocating you just go argue with everybody because the Bible says don't cause divisions and strife for no other reason. It actually says that if a brother's always doing that, separate yourself from that person. But you need to be able to have conversations. I heard a a story one time of a group of ministers, and the pastor's son sat down with 10 of his dad's buddies, and he said, I'm going to preach a a sermon. Shoot it full of holes if you can. So he told them, and they all just shot it full of holes. Well, maybe some of the things he needed uh, that he was saying could be changed, and he was okay with that. He said, I want wise counsel. I want to know. And so you have to be able to grow to a point where maybe you can hear a different opinion about something without getting all upset and hurt. Now, if this guy was really mature, he could have just sat down and said, well, yeah, maybe I don't agree with that, but maybe I need to look more into it instead of just getting all defensive and jumping up and running out. Don't be afraid. The Holy Ghost is not afraid of a fight with your family. It actually says that he led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Holy Ghost said, Jesus, are you ready? I'm going to take you into a fight with the devil. Be ready to talk to people. Don't be so defensive about maybe what you believe. It might need to be changed. I'm okay. Dad shoots everything I say full of holes all the time. <laughs> but I'm, I'm good with that. I want somebody to look at me and say, hey, if I'm wrong, you know, I don't want to get up and preach something. The Bible says study, show yourself approved. But you're going to have to take time in your own life and study. It's not going to happen automatically. And so growing up, you need to have a, you, he wants you to have a personality like Jesus. So I, I did 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and we can jump down to 8 through 16. 8 through 16. So he says, um, he who plants and he who waters are one. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Well, you're going to labor. And there's going to be a reward for you based on your labor. Not based on what pastor does. Pastor's not going to stand up at the bame and seat of Christ and vouch for you. That's going to be on you. What work did you do for Jesus that he required from you to do? You're going to find that out in your own prayer time. I'm not, just you sitting here is good. But he said, for what? I'm here to equip you this morning. Why? Because you got work to do this week. You got a lot of work. We all have a lot of work to do. I got work to do to make sure you guys are staying equipped and dad, and and then you guys have work to do outside with your jobs and with people and people that you're going to get around, but you got to get equipped. And so he said each one will receive a reward based on his own labor, not your wife. They're not going to vouch for you at the the Bama seat, not your husband, not your neighbor. It's not going to be anybody's fault but you, right? All right, no blame game here. 
For we are God's fellow workers, so you're working with him. You are God's field. You are God's building, according to the grace that was given to me, a wise master builder. I laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it for no other foundation which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So he's saying this, the foundation is Jesus. You were born again, you were saved, you were bought by the blood of Jesus. We can agree that Jesus came to get to save you and to redeem you, restore you back to God, and to bring that partnership, that covenant from, from a, a man who was separated from God back to Jesus. A lot of people agree that it's our, we need to get people saved. Know who Jesus is. That he was the mediator between God and man who paid, who lived a sinless life, who paid the debt, right? But then he's saying after that, he's saying, now I have a work for you to do on top of that. But you're going to figure out what that is for your own life. And you're going to take heed yourself. That means you're going to take careful consideration. How are you building your life? And so take heed how he builds on it for no other foundation can be laid, which is Christ. Now, if anybody builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, that's going to be the good things of the word, or you're going to build with wood, hay, or straw. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, and it will be revealed by fire, and test each one's work of what sort it is. He's going to test what? Your work. Not your intentions, not what you thought you were going to do or what you really were trying to do, but he said, I'm going to test your work. And so there's something that we should be doing. So he's going to test your work. If anyone's work, which he's built, if it endures, he's going to receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, it's going to suffer loss, but he himself will be saved through fire. And so I love that scripture because there are things in your life that you need to be working towards on a daily basis. And um, Zach was talking about this yesterday to Band of Brothers, that your life, you're going to have to continually, and I'm, I'm going to read a scripture um, to you that, uh, let's see. Plans are established, Proverbs 2018, by counsel and, the, and by wise, the guidance wage war. Proverbs 14.8, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of a fool is very deceiving. Proverbs 16.9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord will establish his steps. So he's saying you need to plan your way. Proverbs 15.22, without counsel, plans are going to fail, but by many advisors they succeed. Luke 14 he says, if you're going to go build a tower, do you not first sit down and count the cost? He says, if you're going to, kings are going to go to war, do they not sit down and count the cost? And so he's saying here that you're going to plan your life. Your life is not going to happen automatically. You can, you're going to have to set goals in your life where you want to be with God. You, you're going to have to put out a plan and say, I want to be here in, in the next year. If 10, 15 years later, you'll see a lot of your same family members and they've never grown in God. They've never, they're not going to be qualified for a, a good work. And I'm going to read um, that really quick. Let's see. He says in um, 2 Timothy. Did I, did I give you that 2 Timothy scripture about a vessel of honor? He says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, which means that you're going to take time from your life and you're going to get, get stuff out of your life, he'll be used for a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for what? Every good work. And so he goes on in the scripture to say that the clay is what decides how the master is going to use you. So if the clay is lumpy, the master will take it on a spinning wheel and he'll put his hand in it. And if it's got a lot of defects and clump, he's just going to turn it into a common vessel and he's going to put it in the kitchen. You know, maybe something you eat your fruity pebbles with and your cereal with. But a vessel of honor, once he says the clay is clean and that all the impurities are pulled out of it, and God has taken from your life and got all the junk out, because why? You, were, you, you sat there every morning, 10, 15 minutes, and you're reading your word. You're letting that, that light get in you and change who you are. He says once the impurities are out, earlier in the scripture, he says then the master can take that vessel and use it for a special work. Actually, he says every good work. You'll be a vessel of honor. So he, there's two vessels. He says one will be dishonor and one will be a vessel of honor. But he says the clay decides what it'll be. And we kind of look and say, well, the clay's not really getting much of a choice. But if you go pick up clay from this area and you put your hand in it and it's rough, or you go pick up clay from another area and it's smooth, those two different areas are determining how the clay is. And so your life, it's easy for somebody. Uh, I was reading Jonathan Shuttlesworth this morning. He was saying that when a person falls away from the Lord, it happens, doesn't happen like one night they just fall away from God but he, and the next thing you know they're just not in church. He said, no, it's, uh, it's a lot of little steps. First they choose where they start going and they start hanging out. Maybe the music they're listening to, the friends they're around, what they're watching on TV. 
Maybe they start skipping church a little bit here and there, and next thing you know, they haven't been, and then next thing you know, they're falling away from God. But he's saying, but he's saying that if you take and you're, you're, you're growing in God, Jonathan was saying, and you're continually, he said it's an it's a effort, everyday effort that you have to continually grow in God. Why? You have an enemy, Satan, who uh, runs around like a roaring lion seeking someone he can devour. And so I got a lot of family, and I love them, but if they've, they love Jesus, but they don't really believe in the devil, and the devil is just having a heyday in, in their lives. And I saw some of that, and I, and I thought, man, if this place could be amazing, but it's not. It's dark. It's, there's a lot of bondage, and, and it just felt cold. And I'm like, oh, man, I need to get back to Word of Life Church. <laughs> I love those people, growing in God. But you're going to make an effort. And even uh, in your lives, in your business, in your work, you make an effort to grow. Why? To, to move up so you can make more money one day. So the Bible says that the reason that people perish is for a lack of knowledge. And so I was talking to one of a family member up there, and they, we, they do a lot of homeschooling up in Tennessee, which I think is great. I was homeschooled a few years here and there. Mom kind of bounced us around. But one thing they don't teach is computer skills. And so there's a job that's kind of open that's a very high-paying job in the family, but nobody in the family knows how to do the computer and do all that. And so nobody can take that job. Why? Lack of knowledge. It's not important to them. They're in their own world up there, which it's, it's a nice world, but it's, there's a lot lacking in that department because what, when they separate themselves, it's like it's R4 and it's no more who really gives a rip about everybody else. And so because they don't have the knowledge to grow, they don't grow. They just stay the same. But, that, but because Becky and Sue and Joe, their whole life is just having kids, which I think, I think it's great. I think you should have kids. I think you should have a family I'm for the nucleus family, that America is trying to get rid of that. But just because somebody else has hit a certain peak around you and your family, they've only went that high does not mean that you have to only go that high. And it's like people get around that, the people you hang around. The Bible says that you will become like the people that you hang around. And so if you have a friend who is, that's as high as they've gone or a family member, then people think that, that that's as high as I'm going to go. No, you can continue to grow in God and go further than you've ever gone before. You don't have to use your family as, well, they went this high, this is where I'm going to go. So we drove through Tennessee a few hours to go to like a, a store with some supplies and through the mountains, it's just house out in the middle of nowhere, house out in the middle of nowhere. And at night, the people just kind of sit out on the porch, have a couple Bud Lights, and that's it. And I'm thinking, that's it? I mean, it's like the whole town. And Dad said they don't have no vision for the town. There's no vision here. Without vision, people perish. The lack of knowledge and vision, my people are destroyed for that. And so they don't see themselves doing anything for God. And that's why when Jesus gets inside of you, there needs to be a work because what Jesus was busy, he said, I do the will of my Father. And imagine if Jesus said, you know what? I'm anointed. I'm God's son. I'm going to kick back and relax and just I'm going to let the cross happen. No. Jesus, it says he searched the scriptures and he found himself in it. And he studied. And then he, uh, he would pull off for what? An hour in the morning, two hours, and he'd pray. And he said, and I mean, but this is Jesus. This is God's son. No, Jesus still had to pray. Jesus still went about the villages teaching. Jesus was working. I mean, he was the carpenter's son. And so people think that they get saved and it's automatically that somehow success is just going to fall on their head. Even Jesus was cultivating it. And then, he, and then he wasn't even doing it for himself. And then he took 12 men. And then he took 72 men. And he was cultivating these men and training them. And Jesus was busy. And so if you think that you're going to be greater than Jesus, and Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you become the servant of all. And so even uh, Paul talks about that. And so um, let's go back to talking about the personality of God. Are, for the work of ministry, are you easy to work with? Maybe the way, um, are, you, are you a person that you can do the work of ministry with other people? Or I'm going to do two different sides, so don't freak out. But do you have a short fuse? Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not be quick in your spirit to become angry. For angry lodges itself in the heart of a fool. I mean, you can get angry nowadays and, and do something, and, and like me and Robert were talking about, and go to prison. You can punch one person and get a, get a, a strike against you or a, a assault, battery. Or a football player shoots one guy, he's making 100 million, whatever, millions of dollars a year. Next thing you know, he's in prison. Why? Because of anger. 
Anger can destroy your life. And so it's not worth it for doing the work of God. Now, you can be have a righteous anger. You see stuff in society that you don't like, like they're putting the homosexuality on the kid's school. That's a righteous anger. You could, go, you know, deal with that. But don't, don't let the sun go down on it and deal with it in a way that's self-controlled, right? So do you... Um, are you stressed all the time? Do you get angry a lot? Are you negative? Do you complain? Nothing's ever right. Glass is always half empty. You're hard on people. Perfectionist, how things should be. Gossip, full of other people's business that you don't have any right in. You're critical. Every now and then, you know, throw a good cuss word in there, hard-headed. Bible isn't doing a thing for you. Prideful. Nobody can tell you nothing. Can't have a discussion because people think differently, and you might be wrong. Uh, uh, Debbie Martin was telling a story to the kids one time that being a Christian taking a little bit of stuff from the world is like having a brownie. And it's, you got the pure brownie mix. And then you take a little bit of dirt, throw it in there. Ah, a little bit of this ain't bad. A little drinking, smoking, cussing. Yeah, we do that. Throw a little bit of poop in there, dog poop. You know, ah. so she's, she's in children's church and she's telling the kids, living like the world, where Jesus says, come out from the world and be separate among them, right? And so, uh, so the, he says in there, he actually lists a whole list of things that if, you, that if you actually cleanse yourself from that, he'll use you for every good work. Why? God's not going to have you out there uh, destroying the kingdom of God and using you for a great work and giving you a massive platform. And we're going to talk about Joseph when, you're per, when your character never grew, right? You never got into the word and said, let me see this. And so she was saying, well, you could throw a little bit of this, this in the brownie mix. You can throw a little dog doo-doo in there, a little cat doo-doo in there. And it looks the same. It's pretty close, right? And then we just bake it. And then she said she was feeding to the kids. And she was telling them the story. And all the kids started, like, spitting the brownie out. And she said, that's what it's like that when you, you allow a little bit of, of, you know, you just maybe I don't, it doesn't matter what I watch on TV, it doesn't matter what I'm, the music I'm listening to. And I walk in Christian's home and it's like they're blaring ACDC in there and I love Jesus. But it's, and I, the, the, this guy that dad was talking to, he's like, oh, I still love Bachman Turner over driving Led Zeppelin. Well, that's great, but that's the, that's, the Bible says that, that the, you'll have what you say and you're going to have what you sing. And so if you're walking around singing these songs all the time, your death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so Jesus used his words to curse a fig tree. And so, but your words are powerful. But you, there's times where a Christian, they need to grow. There's a point where it's like, well, you may have done that before you got born again, but it's start time to clean some of that up. Because like Dr. Rodney said one time, you're invoking that spirit to come into your house. You're playing that music. Words are going out. doesn't even matter what I'm watching on TV. You're saying, I'm allowing this to come in. I'm allowing these songs. In my, and I... I played in a metal band. I love rock music. I love metalcore music. But I have to cut out 90% of what I listen to. Why? It's depressing. Next thing you know, I'm in the gym and I'm sad. I don't even know why I'm sad. I'm working out. I'm thinking about all the wrong people have done me and this person and this girl. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I got to turn this trash off. I'm going to listen to something good. Why? Because that stuff starts getting it. Words are powerful. Jesus spoke words. God spoke. And it says that, the, word, the foundation of the world was spoken, and it came into existence by the very word of God. And so if you don't like what you have in life, you might want to check out what you've been saying. You have today from what you said yesterday. And so I'm hanging out with a family member, and it's like negative. It's condescending. And, and you know, they use a couple cuss words at me, and, you know, they call me a few names, and they're joking around. And I'm like, why do I want to be around this? I don't want to be around this. I love them, but, man. They ne- they never, they've never grown. And then they're like, well, I don't know why people don't hang out. Well, if you stop calling me, a, uh, you know, a ding-dong, I might come around a little more. You're not going to talk that way to your friends and family and call them names and expect they're going to love you and come around. It, so people shrivel up in an atmosphere where they're, where they're criticized and they're spoken. But you know what? I, I looked at my own heart and said, Lord, do I do this to any of my friends and people that I know? Just kind of hard on them. And, and, and uh, so if you're... I'm going to read a scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life that's to come. Living godly, knowing God, knowing his word, he says produces what? A benefit. Your life is a, the closer you are to the Lord, there's more benefits. You're not getting the benefit living with the world, being like them. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
And so the, the more you have God in your life, the more you're going to have the effects of God. Your life's going to be like a Garden of Eden. The more of God that you're bringing in, the more it's going to spread to people around you. But the more of, you know, the world and hell you bring in, that's just the more you're going to have in your life. You can be saved. I got family members that are saved, but they're hard to be around. And, and, and I want them to have the same relationship and fellowship, but they have to grow. And so um, on the other side of that, people that are full of God, they're easy to talk to. They're relaxed. They're full of peace. You love people. You're forgiving. You hardly notice when people get it wrong. You, you can correct, but you do it in love. You speak hope. You're positive. You're full of joy. You're happy. You're full of the word. Your heart's tender to God. You're easy to get along with. You give preference to other people. And meekness is strength under control. You let stuff go. You just say, praise the Lord, and you pray for people. And then 1 Corinthians 9, 19, I'm going to go over there real quick. I'm going fast because I've got a lot of stuff to say. Maybe I'll continue Wednesday night. I am going to preach Wednesday night. Paul says, though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And so Paul, the greatest apostle, Apostle Paul, he said, I've become a servant. Well, you have to grow to want to serve people. It's not easy to do that. You're going to go through some challenges. In the, and uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that your, your preser, uh, perseverance will produce faith, which will actually produce character. So it will grow your character when you're serving people. And so the, the, easier, the more you, you grow in God, the easier you're going to be to be around. And I had to ask myself that question when I left. I'm like, I saw so many you know, things in my own family, then I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to be that kind of person that just points the finger at everybody. So I said, okay, Lord, let me look at that in my own life. Is there ways that I could make adjustments? Because maybe, you know, it's hard to see your own stuff. You know what I mean? You're around yourself all day. You don't know how you are until somebody, you know, that maybe a close friend can look at you and say, hey, I'd, I'd kind of stop that if I were you. Because then you want people around you that can speak to you and talk to you. You want to be able to lay your pride down and at least have a couple close friends that can look at you and say, you may, may want to make a few adjustments there if you want to have uh, friends and be around people. And God can use you more. Uh, you hear about that all the time in business, people that are just hard to work with, hard to get along with. They don't go very far. They're not team players. They're just they're out on the, an island by their own, and that's, that's a lot of pride. But you want to be, the Bible says you're the body, that you're, we're all working together. And so you have to be able to work together with people. But God's, God's not going to put you in a position when you're not ready for it. Babies can't have those positions. I was telling a story in the first service where when I was a, bit, when I was a young man, dad gave me a BB gun. And I'm immature. And so I run around and I'm shooting everything in the backyard. And you just, whatever. I, and I'm, I, we have like a couple acres. It's, we're out in the, you know, we're at Sereno at the time. wasn't super built up. And so I could you know, blast the whole countryside. It didn't even matter. Dad just got a BB gun. He's fine. He's not hurting anything. But eventually I had to grow up and I had to make adjustments and change. And I had to learn and study and and listen to my father and him teach me about gun safety. And eventually dad put a bigger gun in my hand and then a bigger and then a bigger and a bigger. Now I go and hunt anywhere I want. But God's going to do the same thing with you and I. He's waiting for you to grow up so he can give you more responsibility. And do and that way you can have more an effect on people. But if, like Dad said, if he handed me a 20-gauge and I went through blasting all the neighbors' mailboxes, well, there goes my hunting career. And why? Because I'm not responsible. I never grew up. I stayed immature. And God's saying the same thing for you spiritually. Uh, growing up produces character in you. And so Romans 6.4, we're buried with him by the baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too might walk into a newness of life. And so that life is, is, is a new life. The Bible says that if any man in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. The kingdom of God is a new kingdom. It is a new way of life. It is a, different than the world on how we treat people and how we do things. And so that is a, I, I love growing in that. I, I do not like uh, how I was seven or eight years ago. And I tell people the story that you can be in church, but God, Dad is not giving me a position to preach seven years ago. Why? Because I have a bad attitude. I don't want to be here. And uh, I don't pray. I'm not doing the things that qualify me for this position. And that's when Mark Hankins came in here and looked at me and says, you need to make some adjustments. And uh, I said, okay, I'm going to make those adjustments. I'm going to get thankful. I'm going to get happy. I'm going to start praying. 
And, and seven years later, I'm standing here now. Why? I made those adjustments. I decided to take time and pray and to grow in God. And Mark looked at me and told me that. He said, you're going to have to put down a lot of things you're doing that are they're not bad things. You're into guns and trucks and whatever else. But he says, God says, I need you to take this word. You're going to carry it. And if you don't do it, he's not going to use you in that way. And I'm thinking, oh, man. Well, I want God to use me. I want to be able to step in one day and the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Not, hey, well, you're done. Come on in here. Spot for you in the back, you know. And I'm not saying that that's how it's going to be, but I do believe that there is a reward system. But we have to be busy about the Father's business. I mean, the, I believe the time is short. Um, so he says, Romans 5, not, 5, 3, not only so, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. So God's saying, I want you to have character. It takes character to be in a higher position. I can't be a, I can't be a pastor of this church if I'm dating 20 girls a month, you know, running around, acting, acting crazy and kind of slandering the church name and being wild and going out. I have a little couple of drinks on Friday, Saturday night, coming here, preach Sunday morning. Is that acceptable for me? No. That's not the kind of character that's going to, if I'm not any different in the world, then how am I going to help them, right? And so I had to make changes and grow so I could step into this position. And so it says that you're going to, that it's going to, you're going to suffer a little bit in your flesh. And so I'm talking to one family member, you know, one of the younger ones, and we're driving to work, and he's taking me to the airport. And we're talking about, you know, his life, because he's very wealthy, but he's saying, you know, I really want to do more for the Lord, and I've never really thought a lot about that until him and I started kind of having this conversation about what do you, if Jesus comes back, what do you want to do for him? What is your life purpose? Why are you here? You know, yeah. He, so he was like, well, I just think a lot about flipping homes. Uh, he flips a lot of houses. They build all the high rises in, in Nashville, and they're very wealthy. But I said, what, what are you going to leave? I said, I think that's good. I think you, you need to provide for your family, but that can't be your sole focus. He goes, well, we give to one missions. Okay, that's great, but what is God going to require you? He's like, I don't know. Dad gives to the missions. That's great. That's what your dad does. But what are you going to do? And so, uh, you know, he was, I, I said, what do, you, what do you normally, like, you know, your mornings look like? And so he wakes up, drives an hour and a half to work, and he watches TikTok and YouTube and videos and this and that. And I'm like, that, that's, that's, all, that's a waste of time. You could be growing your character. You could be listening to stuff. I listen to a lot of Rick Renner. Why? It grows my character. I want to be able to take a higher position one day in a, in, in a church or a company or that God can use me. Why? Because I have the character to sustain it. Your talent can take you so high. But if the character is not there, you're going to fall. Why? Because your character will keep you where your talent has taken you. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you're hard to get along with, you don't show up on time, you're a, you know, kind of a pain in the butt, no one's going to want you. It doesn't matter how good you are at something. You ever had guys on jobs and they're, I mean, they're just the best? Well, People fire them all the time. Get somebody in here that's willing to learn, that they're easy to work with, that, you know, they're just going to do what the company says versus this guy who's like, this company needs me. I'm the best that there is. Nah, well, there was somebody before you, and there'll probably be somebody after you. Yeah, the company may hold on to you for a little bit of time, but if your character's not there, they're eventually going to find a way to oust you and get rid of you. And so I just watched that at the flight school. There was a guy there, and he's really good at his job. He trained me, but he was... Uh, just he had a bad mouth on him, and his character wasn't there. Well, eventually the school canned him, and he's out of a job now. And so I think that your character growing you up to where God has you is going to take you places that you need to go. And so um, the next thing is, is that growing is going to be made a daily effort. Plants grow on purpose. Uh, children, they grow because you, you're feeding them, you're taking care of them, right? And so your life is going to have to be grown on, on purpose. And Zach was telling me a great story where the, he was saying the Lord kind of dealt with him in the mornings to just, you know, you start getting to the, watching, uh, you know, videos on Facebook and Instagram. And, um, and he said, the Lord said, why don't you start putting that time into growing and putting more into your spirit every morning? Because you look back in a few weeks from then, you're going to be a lot further along than you were. And God's going to start putting them in positions with people that he's going to need to help them. But God can't use him if his character's not there. Last thing, and then I'm going to close with this. Joseph. Joseph was a person who started off with, he ran his mouth all the time, right, with his brothers and said 
I'm going to get a beautiful coat where his dad gave him a coat. And he says, you're all going to bow down and worship me from what the Lord showed him, right? And his brothers hated him, and they throw him in a pit trying to kill him. And Joseph had some character issues that he needed to work with because everything the Lord showed him, he just ran and blabbed on it. And uh, eventually he got sold to Pharaoh, and he ended up, you know, being used, and God raised him up. And then Pharaoh's wife tried to uh, slander him and said that he did all this, and he goes to prison. Well, then he's in prison. And the, the baker and the butler are getting out, and they knew Joseph, and they said, we'll put a good word into Pharaoh. And Joseph said, remember me. Well, guess what happens? They don't remember him. God says, no, we're going to keep you down here a little longer. We're going to work on your character. Why? 30 years old, Joseph steps in front of Pharaoh, and what happens? God gives Pharaoh a dream that only one person can interpret, Joseph. God, no one is stopping you from your own miracle. No one is taking your position that God has for you. God can give it to one man. And it'll be yours. You don't have to fight and squabble like the world and try to raise the top of the ladder. So Joseph, they just said, there's a guy, a Hebrew child, go get him out of jail and bring him. And he stands before Pharaoh and he gives him the interpretation. Seven years you're going to have produce, plentiful. Seven years you're going to have a famine. And uh, Pharaoh says, this God that Joseph serves, he's the true God or whatever. Give him my ring, give him my coat, give him my chariot. He's in charge for the next 14 years. Oh, wow. 30 years old, Joseph is now second command of all Egypt. It says Joseph went around and he said he scaled the grains, he scaled all the, the harvest in the fields, and every, they took one-fifth every year of everything and they stored it away. And it says seven years of produce happened of plentiful. And then the seventh year, the famine struck. And it says, as Joseph had said, it came to pass. Next thing you know, it says that the nations heard that there was produce in the land of Egypt. And they all came to Joseph. That's a huge position. I mean, these people are coming. God had to get Joseph's character ready to take that position. Now, Joseph could have been very immature, and I don't think God would have given that. But he, he learned and grew. It says Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach had the most excellent spirit of them all. And Daniel rose above all the magicians, all the sages, everybody else in dreams and visions and knowledge of God. God can take you further than anything that the world can ever offer you. There might be a lot of magic on TV and sages and witches, but I'm telling you, it says that Daniel had more knowledge than even them. So everything people see on TV, God can give you such a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would see more than even they would see. But God had to get Daniel's character and get him ready to one day when his brothers did come, he didn't kill them. He didn't say, you, you stuck me in the back, threw me in that pit, now I'm going to get you back, pursue my brothers. No, but that's how the world is, and that's why that God can't use things like that. He needs you to grow, and so that one day Joseph is in command of all of Egypt, and what is he doing now? He is feeding the nations. They came to Joseph to buy grain, and so God used him in a mighty way, and even with his own family, and Joseph did what? After he kind of messed with them for a few times, kind of, they didn't know it was him, they, he threw the cup in the bag, and he said, why are you trying to steal from me, and where is this other brother? I heard you had another brother. What did you do to him? They said, well, we... We killed him, and he said, why would you do that? And so he messed with him for a little bit, but then he took him in, and he loved him. He said, I'm your brother Joseph, but only a person that has a character of God can take somebody who throws you in a pit, and then you turn around and say, I know you might have done that, but God is going to do something for you and take care of you. And so I believe that as we begin to grow as a church, because this church has a lot of character, I'm telling you. I've been, I'm going to some other churches, and I'm thinking, dear Lord, I love Word of Life Church. The love, the people, the giving, the sowing. And, I mean, you'll, you'll, you're going to see that this holiday season being around people. But growing is never easy. It's not easy. It's, the, it's what you're doing behind the scenes on the days. The character is who you are when nobody's watching you. Uh, people who are good at something, they, they build that on their own time. When nobody's around them. When they're not hanging out. When they're studying the word and they're studying things. And that's how great men become great. You can, I, I give dad, I bought dad a book, and uh, the other day I bought him two books, and in one night he read ha halfway through the book. And the next day, in two, what, four days, he read two books. They all thick books about the IDF. And it just, just his, his discipline, he wants to grow, wants to learn. There's more out there. There's, I could do better. I could feed people better. I could learn more to help people. And I believe that that's going to get on every person. And I'm going to pray for you guys. And, uh. You, I, I'm just prophesied over every one of you that you're going to have a great effect on people around you, your family. God did not create you to sit here and get fire insurance so you can go to heaven. 
but that actually you could be a blessing to people. You could actually pull people out of darkness and show them the light of the gospel. But you're gonna have to put time in and grow. You're gonna have to learn the word. You can't just always call us or a friend. You're gonna have to know it yourself. And the more God can, can use you in more and more as you're found faithful. He says, he that is faithful with little, I will make you faithful with much. But he says, you're gonna have to do that with your own time. And so uh, I'm gonna pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're growing us into a perfect, mature people. Father, we thank you that there's people in here that you're gonna use mightily for your, the work in the last days. I thank you that there's some Josephs in here. There's some Daniels in here. There's some Davids. There's some people that are after your heart, not like Saul, who was pleaser of the people, but David, who was, ple- who was after God. And Father, I just push that as an impartation out there that if people would receive that, that they would receive that, that they'd want a heart to serve you, that the heart would be right, that they would want to grow, they would want to learn, that they would become a mature believer so that one day they could have a greater effect on people around them because that's what life's about, Father. Life's about people. It's about getting your body ready so we can come home in Jesus' name. I'm going to say this one time. If you don't know Jesus today, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a group prayer. You don't have to raise your hand or get up. I am gonna have my altar call workers stand up. That if you want to come up for prayer after, these are some of the best people in the world that you want to pray with. But it says that Jesus was the redeemer of man. That man was separated from God not because of what yeah man sinned. Adam sinned and every person was separated from God, but because of one man Adam, every person was sent to be condemned forever. But then God said, I have, a, I have a solution. One man, Jesus, will step forth and he'll pay the price on the cross. He'll shed his own blood. He'll take your spot. He'll take your sin. He'll walk into the Holy of Holies and he'll put it on the throne. And God will say, you've been justified, made righteous. But you have to say, I accept that sacrifice. And if you've never prayed that, if you say, I don't know if I left today where I would go if something were to happen to me. Hey, I almost rolled off a mountain with a four-wheeler. I know where I'm going. <laughs> That's why I said Jesus is Lord. Yeah, it's, it, I guess it wasn't my time. But if I would have died on that mountain, I know I'd be in heaven. And you guys can deal with this church and I'd have been out of here. <laughs> but if you say, I don't know that, I want you to bow your head and pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus paid the sacrifice for me on the cross. He paid my debt. He wiped sin from me. He made me righteous, and I identify with Jesus. And I believe that, and I receive that in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family of God. It's as easy as saying Jesus is Lord. If you say, I didn't pray that, Go home and just say, Jesus, I make you Lord. Because if the person confesses Jesus with his mouth and believes it in his heart, the Bible says he'll be saved. That's as easy as that. Faith in Jesus and what he did. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.